Here is where we gather in the presence of the sacred. Here is where we gather to experience the holy. Here is where together we face unanswerable questions and acknowledge that not knowing is as sublime as it is frustrating. Here is where we unite in the midst of life and all the glories and the suffering it can hold, knowing both are ever-present. Here is where we ask, think, risk and discuss. We ponder and we offer what might not be welcomed or even acceptable somewhere else. Here is where, if we allow it, we are deeply moved. Here is where we encounter each other in deep and powerful ways that surprise us, yet without which perhaps we might not make it through. Here we gather to worship, to experience something happen, perhaps something different for each of us according to our beliefs, something unnamed, uncategorised and unusual yet absolutely necessary. Here we are so gathered, our minds, our hearts and our souls. And so our worship begins. Well, these opening words by you, you, Patricia Sheldon, welcome all those who've gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to those who have gathered here in person at Essex Church, and also all who are joining us via Zoom from far and wide, including Brighton Unitarians. It's good to have you with us again. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackhall and I'm Minister with Kensington Unitarians. The title of this morning's service is Pray Always. Uh, it's a title borrowed from this little book by Edward Hayes, a Catholic writer, no longer with us. Someone who creatively approached the practice of prayer over and over again from many different angles. Creatively, imaginatively, occasionally eccentrically uh, in his many books on the subject. The title is a kind of pun on the instruction from Jesus to pray always, as in pray all the time, pray continually. And he, cheekily, Edward Hayes, interprets it as pray always, as in let's shake up our ideas about prayer, let's experiment with as many different and creative ways to pray as possible, let's pray with all our senses and not get trapped in our heads about it, and let's integrate prayer into the whole of our lives. Of course, prayer is a subject we return to again and again here at church. It's so central to the spiritual life. And yet it can be something that many of us struggle with for a multitude of reasons. So today's service is another chance for us each to reflect on where we're at with prayer. Uh, the point of it, the practice of it, how we understand it, the place of it in our lives outside of Sunday mornings. And whether it might serve us well to experiment with different approaches to prayer. But before we go any further, let's do what we often do. Let's take a moment to check in with ourselves. Each week this moment comes around. It's Sunday morning. Here we are again. We each stop what we're doing and temporarily put aside all the goings-on of our everyday lives. We set aside our duties and distractions and we attend to the life of the Spirit. So let's remember why we came here. And let's do what we need to do to ground ourselves in the here and now. And you'll each know how best to do that for yourself. Maybe stretch and wiggle. Maybe consciously put your feet on the floor. Maybe take a few slow and steady breaths. You are here.
going to light our chalice flame as we do each week. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proud and historic progressive religious tradition of which we are a part. May the flame of this chalice, the symbol of our faith, connect us to all who have come before us, all who are part of our community today, and all who are yet to come into being. May it serve as a reminder of our unity and our connection across all time and space. Time to sing. Our first hymn today is number 26 in your green hymn books, if you're in the church. Uh, or the words will be up on screen at home, or if you want to come to the screen in the church. Um, it's Spirit Divine, attend our prayer. We haven't had this one for a while, so I'm going to suggest, Peter, perhaps play it through in full once before we start to sing. Spirit Divine, attend our prayer. So let's take those joys and concerns, both spoken and unspoken, into an extended time of prayer now. You might want to adjust your position to get more comfortable, perhaps put down anything you don't need to be holding. There might be a posture that helps you to feel more prayerful, whatever helps you to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together and to be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, 
with each other and with that is both within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. We turn our full attention to you, the light within and without, as we tune into the depths of this life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. We come together in prayer, even though some of us struggle with what that means. We come together to stand before that which is greater than us, although we may struggle to say what that is. And so on this day, we pray for those things that we struggle with in our everyday lives, for the conflicts we feel within ourselves and between ourselves and those we love. We pray for guidance, for compassion, for the opening of a path. We pray too for those things that give us joy and hope each day, for those things that we trust in, believe in, will sacrifice for. These are gifts of grace, and perhaps we need not define them in order to savour them, rejoice in them. Be thankful. What we do know is that we gather here this morning with all kinds of needs. Some face health problems and are in need of healing. Others are worn down by all the challenges of these tough times we're living through and need healing of a different kind, emotional and spiritual. Some face family problems and some are simply weary with the struggles of life and seek some assurance that this will someday pass. Others face the anguish of making difficult decisions for themselves, for their family and friends, and for the common good. For each of us, we speak the deepest prayers of our hearts in different ways knowing that what it means for them to be answered will look different for each one of us. So may we somehow this morning be met at the point of our differences and also in the places that we are one of the same breath of life that courses through all living things. May we always hold in our hearts gratitude for those things that bless us with their presence Forgiveness for the ways in which we might have turned from those blessings. And the willingness to ever open ourselves anew to this beautiful and hurting world. And in a few moments of shared stillness now, may we each speak inwardly the deepest prayers of our hearts. Maybe something in our own life or the life of the world is weighing heavy on us this day. Or maybe we are feeling full of gratitude despite it all. Maybe we feel moved to give thanks for our blessings. Let us each lift up whatever is on our heart this day and ask for what we most need.
spirit of life, God of all love. As this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time to sing again. Our next hymn is on your hymn sheet if you're in the building. And again, the words will be up on screen. It's called Thanks Be For These. Um, it's not, again, not one we sing that often, so I'll ask Peter to play it through. Um, please note that there are five verses to this hymn. Two of them are hidden at the bottom. Uh, and again, feel free to stand or sit as you prefer. Thanks be for these. The Perfect Prayer by Vanessa Rush Southern. What is the best way to pray? I don't mean what is the best way to appease God, but how do we put our hearts in the right place? To my mind, that is the primary and best purpose of prayer. The perfect prayer should probably be one of gratitude, at least partly. And it has to be a regrounding in all that is good, which we inevitably overlook. Years ago, I read that the average American now lives better than how 99.6% of human beings have lived in all recorded history. And the wine sold in any corner shop today is better than the wine French kings drank. For such lucky folks, though, we sure do whine a lot. <laughs> Pun intended. So gratitude has to be part of the praying. 
If there's more to prayer than gratitude, then for me, it would have to include the request that you and I be put to good use. It cannot be simply right to simply hand back to the world only what was handed to us, like the person in the biblical story who buries his talents rather than risking them in the world. Still, if you are like me, maybe you aren't sure what would be the best use of your gifts. A good prayer might ask for whatever hints the universe is inclined to dole out for us. I would also pray that the people I love are kept safe. I suppose that sounds selfish, but I don't believe that the one who listens is doing more to keep my team safe just because I ask for it. It is just that loving these people as much as I do makes me vulnerable. I imagine it does the same for most of us. And it seems only fair to ask for help in holding what could break us. Finally, the perfect prayer would have all kinds of surrender in it. It would ask that we find a way to be in each day without reservation, to use it up and delight in the beauty and riches cast before us by luck or chance, or some lavish, numinous hand. To pray for the chance to press forward the arc of human wisdom with compassion and to recognize those chances when they come. Finally, exhausted and joyful for what that particular day has offered up, the perfect prayer for most of us would likely end with whispered hope for the chance to wake up and face it all again. Thanks, Sonia. So we're moving into a time of meditation now. I'm going to share some words from Regina Sarah Bryan, uh, a piece called A Prayer of Not Knowing. It speaks of praying when we don't know how to pray and expanding our sense of what prayer might be, perhaps. We're going to take those words then into a few minutes of silence that will end with the sound of a bell. And then we're going to hear some lovely music for meditation. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable. Maybe put your feet on the floor. Maybe put down what you don't need to hold. Maybe close your eyes or look at the chalice. And as I always say, the words and the music, they are an offering Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. Oh God, I do not know how to pray. Because I do not know what it means to pray properly, to pray in such a way as to serve or worship, I must offer what I have, what I can do as my prayer. And here it is. Let this posture be the prayer. Let this intention be the prayer. Let this very not knowing be the prayer. Let this breath be the prayer. Let this resistance and discomfort be the prayer. Let this distraction be the prayer. Let this drinking of tea be the prayer. Let this eating of breakfast be the prayer. Let this hectic schedule be the prayer. 
Let this attempt at remembrance be the prayer. Let the steps walked in silence across the car park be the prayer. Let the birdsong noticed be the prayer. Let this poor journal writing be the prayer. Let the vastness of the sky be the prayer. Let worrying and then dropping the worry be the prayer. Let chanting and dancing and reading be the prayer. Let dressing and undressing be the prayer. Let sleeping and rising and sleeping and rising be the prayer. Let missing someone be the prayer. Let memories and whispered calls for help for others be the prayer. Let opening the door and putting on and taking off shoes be the prayer. Let the keeping of simple order be the prayer. Let the celebration of light and darkness be the prayer. Let warmth and cold be the prayer. All of it, not bad, not good, just as it is and wondrous, all of it, be the prayer. O oh God, in my helplessness from nowhere with nothing, let these poor prayers as flowers draw you to the garden from which their fragrance arises.
This reading is of adapted excerpts from Simply Pray by Eric Walker, Willstrom, Eric Walker, Willstrom. Why do people pray? What does it bring to spirituality? Is there a someone or something out there that we encounter in our times of prayer? A sacred something that is yearning for connection with us? Is prayer the building of a relationship with God? Or simply an internal monologue with one's own subconscious mind? The Buddha's response, that is a question which does not tend toward edification, is only a partial answer. The reason it does not tend towards edification is that it distracts our concentrated energy from the truly important task before us. We want to know with whom we are engaging or whether or not there is a whom at all before we will engage. Yet you cannot engage the sacred and then commit. Commitment is the one and only way of engaging the sacred. You can't find out what wet means unless you get into the water. There's simply no way to talk about it. There's only getting wet. If you long to connect with the sacred, if you desire to live a life that is more in touch with the holy, Stop listening out for something in particular and start simply listening. If you've given up on an anthropomorphic deity, the old man with the long white beard or any of his stand-ins, you can't figure out what to put in its place. Stop looking for a substitute and start simply looking around you. Notice those places in your life where you have felt yourself in the presence of the holy. Remember those experiences in which you have sensed your connectedness. Seek in your own life, your own feelings, your own moments, those places where something deep is going on. Those times where you have encountered or are encountering the sacred. In other words, simply pray. Pray without any preconceived notion of what you're doing or why. Simply do it and see what happens. After you pray, then begin to think. Think about what your experiences tell you about the holy. Think about what those experiences tell you about the way the world works and the spirit moves. Build your theology on your experience rather than the other way around. We often can't see where the sacred is moving in our lives because of what we've been taught to expect. So many people have given up on religion, on God, because they look and look where they've been told to look, but always end up feeling disappointed. 
And that is why I know of no more important activity than prayer. It is not just something to do in times of desperation. In order to get the most out of a spiritual practice, you must practice it regularly until it becomes a habit, a constant in your life. Connecting and reconnecting to the source of our lives, to that sacred mystery in which we live and move and have our being, is essential if we are to live full and rich lives. Thanks, Brian. So prayer, as I mentioned at the start of the service, is a perennial topic of exploration for us at church. It's a subject we keep coming back to, and rightly so, because the practice of prayer is central, foundational, in pretty much every spiritual tradition you care to name, which indicates it's something we ought to be paying attention to and engaging with, even if our collective relationship to prayer as Unitarians can be complicated. Prayer is something I've given a lot of thought to over the years and a lot of shelf space, it turns out. I've got all my books about prayer lined up on a shelf over my bed. And even if I only count the ones that have actually got prayer in the title, uh, we're looking at a stack of 49 books I found out yesterday. That is not me trying to show off about my library, just an indication that there's been an awful lot written about the subject from a variety of perspectives. And it is something I am fascinated by and which I continue to wrestle with. Now, of course, we Unitarians do pray collectively in our services all the time, um, especially those who attend our regular heart and soul gatherings, which are essentially a Unitarian prayer group in disguise. And I know that plenty of us do have our own personal prayer practices too, but it's not something we seem to talk about that much between ourselves, not something we tend to foreground as a vital part of our shared religious life. It seems that sometimes our entirely laudable commitment to reason leaves us a bit reluctant to wholeheartedly enter into prayer when, as the reading just said, we're not entirely sure who it is we're praying to or what it is we're even doing. It can leave us kind of praying with a handbrake on, emotionally speaking, not being fully engaged. And if that sort of reservation resonates with your experience, you might appreciate the following words from Anne Lamott, taken from her slim volume on prayer called Help, Thanks, Wow. She writes, you may be wondering what I even mean when I use the word prayer. Prayer is communication from the heart to that which surpasses understanding. Let's say it is communication from one's heart to God or to the good that force that is beyond our comprehension, but that in our pain or supplication or relief, we don't need to define or have proof of or any established contact with. Let's say perhaps it is what the Greeks called the really real, what lies within us beyond the scrim of our values, positions, convictions and wounds. Or let's say it's a cry from deep within to life or love with capital L's but let's not get bogged down in whom or what we pray to. Prayer is reaching out to something having to do with the eternal, with vitality, intelligence, kindness, even when we are our most utterly doomed and sceptical. God, however we understand God, can handle honesty, and prayer begins as an honest conversation. It is us reaching out to be heard, 
hoping to be found by a light and a warmth in the world instead of darkness and cold. Words from Anne Lamont. Or perhaps we can understand prayer in the sense we heard about in the piece that Sonia read from us, from Vanessa Rush-Southern. The purpose of prayer on that account is to put our hearts in the right place. And what does prayer look like? Well, the different ways we can pray are almost limitless. We can be silent. We can speak or chant. We can write or draw. We can pray with our whole body. We can pray alone or together with rituals like candle lighting, spontaneously or by rote, using formal and traditional language or expressing ourselves directly and from the heart in our very own voice. We can pray always, as Edward Hayes said in his little book. Sometimes we can get snagged on one particular idea of what prayer is supposed to look like, but there can be a liberating joy in just experimenting, being playful and challenging ourselves to mix it up a bit. Whatever form it takes, perhaps there's a common thread of helping to shift our perspective in prayer. You could think of it as getting in touch with a God's eye view of your life and of the world, tuning into some kind of universal consciousness, or just connecting with your own inner wisdom. Prayer is a practice that can help shift ourselves out of autopilot and into a way of being that's a bit more intentional, realigned with our deeper purpose and values. When we're feeling a bit adrift or lost or stuck, all of which can happen quite often, I find, prayer might just remind us who we are and whose we are and what matters most to us in life. I especially appreciate the angle taken by the UU minister, Eric Walker-Wickstrom, in his book, Simply Pray. I'll get this out and wave it in church at least twice a year. The reading that Brian just did, I keep pointing over there to where Brian usually is. The reading that Brian just gave for us is only the briefest introduction to Wickstrom's ideas, but that book has been hugely influential on me and thus on a lot of things we do here at church. It got me over some of my own hesitation about prayer 15 or so years ago, and it's definitely shaped the way I lead the prayers in church. And I also want to acknowledge the influence this indirectly had on my own dear friend, Jeff Jones, former leader of the Brighton congregation. Jeff died just last month. And as we have Brighton with us this morning, I wanted to acknowledge that. And I know Jeff did a lot over many years to pass on this way of thinking about prayer, to introduce prayer practices and to cultivate a prayerful spirit in the life of the congregation. So thinking of you, Brighton, today and thinking of Jeff, I chose this topic in Jeff's honour. Just like Anne Lamont, Eric Walker-Wickstrom encourages us to put aside all those thorny questions of who or what it is we're praying to. That's why the book is called Simply Pray. And that's a very much a just do it way of looking at things. If we all waited until we were absolutely certain about our theological interpretations, then we'd just not do it at all, would we? His understanding is that the practice of prayer has value, even if it ultimately turns out that the only person who hears our prayers is us. Or in the case of communal prayers, uh, there is worth in the acknowledgement of our shared human condition. Having carried out a comparative study of prayer practices in a number of the major faith traditions, Wickstrom concluded that there are four main strands of prayer that are pretty much common to them all. And he calls them naming, knowing, listening and loving. 
These are terms that will be extremely familiar to everyone who's ever been to Heart and Soul. It's a simple structure of prayer that we've been using for many years to pray together in those groups. To unpack it a bit, naming prayer is simply a gratitude practice, a mixture of the thanks and wow that Anne Lamott refers to. Um, it's a practice of reviewing your day and noticing what's been good, whether that's simply appreciating humble everyday pleasures or standing gobsmacked in awe at the cosmos and the wonder of creation. Knowing prayer is a practice of honest self-reflection, reviewing your own actions and attitudes, noticing where you did well, noticing where you made mistakes, seeking guidance to put things right, perhaps. Listening prayer is simply contemplative stillness, a silence into which another voice may speak. And loving prayer is about bringing our awareness to the needs of others who are struggling and suffering, both close to home and around the globe and expressing our compassion and our hopes for them. Naming, knowing, listening and loving. There are many, many ways to pray, but that is not a bad place to start. If you're anything like me, you might find that prayer comes most easily when you're struggling. But it's more likely to bubble up spontaneously as a cry for help when life is tough. And that cry, help, is also a form of loving prayer, by the way. It's a form of self-love, self-compassion to recognise when we're being pushed beyond our limits and when we need help from elsewhere. But there is something to be said for intentionally cultivating a regular prayer practice and making it an integrated part of your everyday life instead of having it as something that we only turn to as a last resort when things are desperate and everything's falling apart. So why not try sitting in bed last thing at night, or perhaps lying there first thing in the morning, any quiet moment you can complain for yourself really, and giving yourself five, 10 minutes to just go through those four stages of prayer, naming, knowing, listening, and loving, in your mind, in your journal, spoken aloud, maybe with someone you live with. You could do prayers via text with a friend, I've done that before. You could come to heart and soul. As Wickstrom said, in the end, there is no substitute for getting your feet wet. So just do it. Simply pray. And to draw this to a close, I just want to offer a few words from another you, you thinker, Jack Mendelssohn, by way of encouragement to find your own way with prayer. And these words are on the front of your order of service if you're in the church, and they'll be on the website with the rest of the text if you're at home. He writes, prayer is an effort to reach deep and to reach out and to become what we would like to be and need to be and ought to be. Proper prayer is not a petition to escape realities. It is an effort to understand them, to deal with them, to grow in courage, in strength and in faith. The purpose of prayer is to transform those doing the prayer, to lift them out of fear and selfishness into serenity, patience determination and belonging. And doesn't that sound like something we could all do with a bit more of in our lives? Amen. Time for one last hymn now. It's one I always find uplifting. Number 249 in your green book, Life's Great Gifts. It's a, perhaps one we can sing in the spirit of a prayer of thanksgiving for all that is good in our lives. The words will also be up on screen. Life's great gift.
Just a few announcements then. Thanks as ever to Ramona for tech hosting and to Charlotte for co-hosting. I think she's done it three weeks on the trot, so thanks for that. Um, thanks to Sonia and to Brian for reading. Thanks to Abby, Sydney and Peter. Oh, you're there. <laughs> thanks for the wonderful music. For those who are here in person, Liz will be doing uh, teas and coffees and caramel cake, which is probably the sugariest thing I have ever made, so approach with caution. Uh, thanks to Marianne for greeting. I know you had a lot to do today. We've got very small group activities that go on for you to meet up. There are still spaces for the much-plugged Heart and Soul Contemplative Spiritual Gatherings tonight or Friday at 7 o'clock online. This week's theme is Commitment. Uh, let me know if you want to sign up and I'll send you the link. This Wednesday we've got the in-person poetry group. Um, have a word with Brian if you want to know more about that. If you're going to come, send him your poetry choices ahead of time so he can make copies for everyone. I want to draw your attention to a very long-range save the date. Um, it is customary to mark the official start of a new ministry with an induction service. And although I've been here quite a while in various capacities, now that I'm officially appointed as the minister, we're planning to have a special service marking the mutual commitment. Uh, it won't be until the autumn, but please do get the date in your diary. It'll be Saturday the 14th of October at 2 o'clock. It'll be hybrid as usual, so we're hoping that friends from near and far will join us. If you can get here in person, the service will be followed by afternoon tea, so I will try and make it worth your while cake-wise. <laughs> we'll be back next week with another hybrid service, which will be our flower communion. Uh, I have not totally worked out the logistics of how we're going to do that hybridly, but whether you're here in person or here online, do bring a flower to church next week if you can. Details of all these activities are on the back of your order of service and also in the Friday email. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch, look out for each other, and do what you can to nurture supportive connections. So our closing words by Chris Rothwell. Our time together draws to a close, but our worship does not cease. In the days to come, may our lives be reflections of the beauty, peace, and joy that is possible in this world. May we notice and appreciate all the quiet goodness that we encounter every day. May we each tend and nurture the little patch of earth on which we find ourselves. And may the love we've found in this gathering sustain us as we go our separate ways. May it be so for the greater good of all. Amen. Amen.